Ann Gargi, host of Text to Task, Simplifying Education. My belief is that every day we have the opportunity to be inspired, to grow, bring joy, serve and be role models. Thank you for joining me today. Please share the show. For updates and inspiration, follow me on Instagram at millennial underscore teaching learning. The use of visual and audio aids in the classroom has been found to be essential for the development of permanent learning in education and helps to reduce the likelihood of forgetting what is being taught. It is equally important for the teacher to know when and how to use these materials. Additionally, some schools and education institutions cannot afford teaching aids due to financial constraints and remote locations. What is the best way to teach those students? To provide a better understanding of educational resources, how to use them, and how we can create simple yet cost-effective materials. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Hubert Humphrey Fellow, Jolma Montero, who is the teacher of English and a teacher trainer in a vocational school in Angola, West Africa. In her capacity as a teacher trainer, she promotes professional development and training for English teachers in her district. Jolma holds a master's degree in business administration and human resource management. She co-founded Vosenansu Padar Serto, which translates as You Were Born to Win, with the goal of empowering young people. It is a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Ms. Jolma Montero. Thank you so much for joining me. I thank you, Garci. And hi, everyone. Thank you so much for all your support and for listening to this wonderful podcast that is entirely encouraging all of us to go further and do the best with whatever we have available. So thank you. It's a great honor to be here. So we'll get started. My first question to you is, what influenced your decision to pursue a career in teaching and education? That's a great question. What influenced me? Um, I'm, I come from a family uh, of teachers. My mom is a teacher. I have uncles that are teachers. But honestly, my parents, they never wanted me to be a teacher because they understand that it's a life of sacrifice with less recognition. So they were hoping that I would become like a hero, someone that would work in another industry so that the family can have another history, especially financially. So my mom used to sing at me, honestly saying, please, as you can see how we are, don't be a teacher. And that's why if you pay attention on my st studying background, I have my master's first on business administration and human resource management. But, um, I, all, I was always a fan of my teacher, especially English, because I, in my country, 
English is not like a spoken language. We have English and French as our foreign language. Our official language is Portuguese. So I used to see my teacher and I always desired that I would speak English at least like my teacher. And when I got uh, the opportunity to be a teacher because I could not get what I really dreamt of as, as a plan, as a plan B, I said, okay, meanwhile, I'm waiting to get to my dream job. Let me just be teaching here temporarily. And it has been now eight wonderful years that I've been teaching. I fell in love with teaching. I love teaching and learning. And uh, it's for me, it's a great joy now to be a teacher. Can you describe how a typical day looks like for you at school, be it online or in person? Yeah, uh, let me try to resume it because sometimes it's quite um, challenging for you to differentiate that you are now at home because teachers, it's something that many people probably didn't realize. Teachers are like 24-7, either uh, physically uh, with papers or mentally, they are always finding ways to improve and do best for their students. Consciously or unconsciously, they are always trying to think about that student that's probably performing poorly, how they can um, do their work a little bit better, how they can improve, how they can find resources. It's like they always have the tendency of thinking about the work they do. They are hardly ever disconnected, especially in certain seasons of their career or certain times of their academic year. So my typical day begins with, I work at 7.30. That's when my le first lesson begins. So I normally leave home like 6.30 because it takes me like an hour. I work 13 kilometers away from my school. Uh, I normally take a bus to go to work because I don't like driving because it takes some hills. And so I, I rather just go with um, transportation, uh, public transportation. And sometimes my, 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 my school, it has a school bus that also supports the teachers. So um, my first lesson begins at 7.30 and my the, the last lesson goes up to 11.25. And then we have lunch break. And sometimes I work also from 2 p.m. until 10 to 6 p.m. This is because it's a, it's a vocational school. So we have like a full-time um, working conditions. And yeah, so that's more or less how it, it works, but not every day. But uh, this is how my lessons, they go like I work for two periods, morning and afternoon. Which topics in the curriculum do you enjoy the most? Ah, that's a great and a hard question. I normally focus on topics that are more uh, yield to the students' interest. I like, I enjoy teaching that allow my students to express themselves, to, 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 to be like, to develop their critical thinking skills, something that, they, that can allow them to reflect and contribute, um, something that can allow me to see what, what is happening within them, in their mind, what is going on, how the way they think, so that later on we can together sort of like mold and later on wrap up and say like this is this wouldn't be 
a, a healthy way of thinking and, and, and so that they can also collect and so that we can really see because students, they are also humans and they bring up, they're like, I like calling them a box of surprises because you in that small head, I, I, um, forgive me, it's not like a small in terms of size, but in terms of like, although they are students, but they bring, they come up in the classroom with a lot of interesting things. And it's important for us not to just have our, our curriculum and in the planning that, okay, from here to here, we'll do that. But in each topic, trying to find ways that can incorporate their interest and to see how their critical thinking skills as a person, as future leaders and uh, of the country, of the city, yeah. So I like topics that bring those discussions and um, develop their critical thinking skills. I'm absolutely sure your support is surely benefiting your students. Uh, what is the importance of teaching aids in the learning process? Well, that, 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 that question is really very um, relevant. Uh, the importance of teaching uh, students, right? In the learning process, you see, education is the foundation for a successful society. If we look at countries that are right now developed, they went like that many years ago. And one of the major things they had to do is to invest in the education, to provide the quality education. If we want to improve the state of our country, of our nation, of our city, of our family, one thing we really have to invest, increase our investment is in education. So that starts with the kids. I mean, don't think so what happened is that what I normally do is, uh, uh, sorry, um, with students, I always encourage uh, us teachers to really look at teaching, not just a one way, but a two way, because it's a learning, the teaching is in itself a learning process. So it's important for us to provide quality education to the future generation of our city, our family and our country in general. Yes, so it's a very important thing uh, for leaders around the world and everybody, parents, to really think uh, critically and uh, with a, a, not just as a, a sending someone to a school, but to, to look at like, um, what am I expecting? What am I planning? What am I looking forward to this family, to this city and to this nation? So that's why I think teaching and learning, it's really, really no word to explain how important it is. How can a lack of a teaching material affect a student's learning? Mm, it affects in big ways. Because um, when students don't have enough resources, it's really demotivating, very demotivating. They want to uh, do homework, they don't have a, a book where they can look and, and read. Schools don't have libraries where students can go and do research. Parents with no access to internet. And this, is, this really frustrates students. It makes them very um, depressed and very, uh, how can I say, really demotivated and hopeless because they feel like they, they don't have the weapons or the necessary equipment 
the desire is there, they are willing, but they, the, this limitation can really demotivate them. So it would, it would be uh, good if those that are in power or have the ability to provide resources, they could provide to make the process a little bit more smoothly because, for example, if we have resources, what we could cover in, uh, in a, a, a month, we could cover it maybe in a week or 15 days. So I think it's important that uh, um, resources are provided for an effective and the quality um, learning and teaching process. Jolma, uh, uh, how should I select the appropriate materials for my class? What steps or principles should I follow when selecting, uh, selecting materials for teaching? Mm, that's a very good question. What steps to follow when selecting materials? I think the materials you should initially uh, reflect the interest of uh, the students and the interest of what um, they are hoping to achieve, it should mirror them, not try to like um, turning them to become someone else. So that's why we stick to, I, I, we normally encourage teachers to use authentic material. I'm not saying that we, we can use books that we can buy that's reflecting other cultures. It's really important. We can initially begin from that but we could adapt in a way that later on we reflect on that, but we see how will that be reflected in our society, in our culture, in our interest. We can't just like bring this, this is how it's done. The book is saying that, and this is how people do back in that place and finish. No, we should try to probably try to incorporate uh, uh, what is what would what would they would hope to see in the in in the material so just to to wrap it up i would say that um first of all look at what is uh in relation to students interest would students be interested what would reflect um their culture their interest and even if not that it's also important for uh, as to incorporate what is happening outside the box, because we, through the materials, we can allow students to experience other cultures and then reflect how will this, if, if we could implement or apply what is happening in that culture, that society, how would it affect us in a positive or probably negative way so that they can also bring their critical thinking skills and make this, this will allow students to be global citizens. We, I have seen students that they never went to a certain particular city or anywhere. When they, through the material, they feel that they know so much about that city or that country. And when one day, perhaps if they have a chance to get to that place, one of the things that they put on their bucket list, like, okay, my students spoke about a specific place. So I would like to see that place and they they would like be able to not I, I wouldn't say feeding but to familiarize and to feel like um yes to be more familiar with what is happening not only in in this their box or the, their city or in their country but also what is happening from around the world but always focusing on 
students' interest? Because I'm sure nobody really would like to invest so much on things that like, we care less about you or your interests. I just, this is what is in the curriculum. So take it like that. So I think it will be the first focus to be, uh, would my students be interested in these resources and th this content, would it reflect what they are hoping to learn? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I think that will be the main. I find this very inspirational because uh, Nick, uh, because you're talking about keeping the interest of the student at the center of education. And next time I'm going to follow this. Uh, here is my last question for you. With uh, limited resources in the classroom, how can I make my lessons more interesting? Mm, great question, because this mirrors uh, our reality. When I say our, like what is happening in my country, um, what can I do? Because we don't have much uh, like a lot of power for decision making and we can't just complain. We have to like see how we could mitigate such situations. So one of the ways um, like what I do is, for example, uh, I have a book that is we just uh, it's it reflects culture that have nothing to do with happenings in Africa or in Angola. So what I try to do is uh, I give like five minutes just to give them a little glance of what is happening around. And then I give them as a project-based assignment, like, could you guys maybe interview your grandparents or your mother or anybody in, the, in, your, in your neighborhood and share about this and see how will this reflect with us? So, 10% will be about what I, we spoke on the book just to give us a mirror or glance or just the guidelines, but 90% will be bringing up about our own society. I tell, I, we try to find our resources our own way. I ask students to involve their family members, interview them. For example, recently I shared about uh, jobs. Most of the jobs that were in the book are jobs that in my country, because we are so de less developed, most of those jobs are not really mm, common in most of the kids' family. So what I told them is, please try to uh, interview your uncle, your dad, your mom, ask them about what they do. And um, if they're a teacher, like what is expected from them? What do they do as a teacher? Because a teacher, in Angola, maybe the responsibility, the duties are not the same as a teacher that is maybe in India or maybe in the United States or maybe in England. We are all teachers, but maybe the duties, the sacrifice, the effort that one has to invest is not the same. Others have more resources to support them. So kids, they went around asking them for the whole week and compiling all the data and when they brought up in the class, we had the chance to share. And later on, we asked like what they were mostly surprised about and how they thought about their future, though, what they wanted to become in the future, considering the interview and what they have uh, searched from their community. And they also noticed that more than 80% of the class had family members with almost the same jobs. It's like what is available in our market is just this. At the moment, it's just teachers, people just teachers, 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 or maybe people that are made in people's house, like cleaners, and then maybe police officers. So it's like 
more than 80% had exactly the same occupation. While in the book, there were some jobs that were like a mirage. People had no idea what people in those jobs they do. So that, that's how we try to introduce what really happens in our ground, in our society, and not just focus on materials. Uh, for example, I also have huge classrooms, some, which is the reality of most students. We have a lot of students in one classroom, and most of us don't have a one classroom. We have to rotate and meeting students in their classroom. I got seven classrooms to teach, so I have to go and meet my students. So I don't have a possibility of placing posters on the walls where students, I don't have like a classroom that can already arrange and students just come and sit and find the materials. So I have to carry all my tools with me. So what I do, for example, for audio, I download some audio, I place them on my mobile phone. I bought with my own finance, a small Bluetooth speakers so that students can have access to audio activities so that they can familiarize themselves with audio from people from all around the world so that they can also see the accent from many people around the world and get familiar not just try to say, no, I have to speak like A or B or C. I say, no, you have to create your own accent and be proud of that because as you can see from this audio, we have many people speaking exactly the same thing but different accent, but the communication is flowing beautifully. So this also motivates them and encourage them. So this is how I did for them to have access to audio. So sometimes I make copies of certain uh, photocopy materials, but my students, most of them, they don't have financial ways to make copies. So what we do is the day before, it's going to rotate everybody to write down, to give time, because that's the content that we're going to teach maybe next week. So we have to try to find ways to mitigate and also have a productive, interesting classrooms. So this is more or less some of the few ways that I try to um, mitigate the lack of resources. Um, it is very encouraging to hear this. Uh, thank you, Ms. Jolma Montero for doing this interview with me. I thank you for the opportunity. As I've always said, Children and education must be encouraged everywhere.